0: Class is in. Hey, welcome to our new series, our Gift Ed series, and as we launch off, I want to ask a quick blessing on this. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the chance that we have to get into your word, to get into this thing called the spiritual gifts. Bless them. Help us learn about them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you know, gifts are one of those strange things a lot of people deal with, and we have to give them. You just gave one probably back on Valentine's Day if you've got a loved one in your life. And isn't it weird how we respond to gifts? Maybe you've received a gift over the years that when you opened it, you had to pretend that you liked. You're like, oh, it's so wonderful. And you're thinking in the back of your head, what in the world is this thing, right? Or perhaps you've given a gift and uh it wasn't quite used like you thought it would be used you know it winds up being used as an umbrella thing instead of a flower thing i don't know something something odd in the kitchen suddenly ends up in someone's bathroom you're like that's that's weird i didn't expect that or maybe you've received that gift that you love it and you don't even know what to do with it or you don't love it and you have to hide it away but bring it out every time your in-laws are over or perhaps you even had that one particular gift that had that meaning behind it you know you opened it up and you're like uh hair product are you saying something um yo you interesting you know i'm supposed to i'm going bald what so you get all these interesting kinds of gifts in this world and here's the thing Uh, often gifts say more about the giver than they say about the one who's being given to and about the relationship between that giver and the one they're giving to and what we're going to do in this particular series that we're working on here called gift ed is talk primarily about the gifts that god has given us a spiritual set of gifts and what they're for and what they're about. In fact, spiritual gifts are one of those conversations I think a lot of people go like, okay, that, that, that is something that I'm not used to, or maybe you are used to them and you're excited. There's a lot of different opinions. I'll give you an example. Just in talking to a few of my friends, there are some of us that when we heard it, we have um, just basically a, a, a resistance to it. We've been in some pretty weird places where people who claim they had spiritual gifts were using them in an odd manner. One time I went to a revival quote unquote, it was a very small church. And during this time, they were doing all these kind of like crazy music and the whole for like an hour and a half. And the preacher would get up in the middle of it and talking and suddenly people are dancing. And in the middle of it, they would freeze and fall backwards onto folding chairs. And they would claim that's the movement of the spirit of God. That's the spiritual gifts happening right there. And we're going like, yeah i don't know about that that doesn't seem right others of you are, are talking like oh my gosh spiritual gifts those things aren't we shouldn't even be having this series you don't understand they're done they were done in the first century they only founded the apostles you know these kinds of things others of you are going like i don't even know what you're talking about And just to encourage you, if you are one of those who is wrestling with the spiritual gifts, either you're super excited we're going to talk about them. Well, we're going to try to talk about them in the right settings, I believe, and according to the scriptures in the right ways. Others of us, we're going to be talking about those things that honestly, you know, you may think are over or done with. And yet I want to stop and just reference one thought, that Jesus himself, the word of God on earth, God in the flesh, used these spiritual gifts, used miracles and these kinds of things to bring about His work. And if Christ needs them, how much more do you and I need them today and so it's a challenge here there's some conversation we're going to get into but we're going to focus not on our experiences or our thinking about this rather i want us to focus in on the scriptures so if you have a bible grab it open up we're going to be looking at first corinthians chapter 12. this is the actual spot the word spiritual gifts is going to come from and we're going to be examining this letter now this was a correspondence a letter between paul who was an apostle, a man who was once a a very fierce opponent of Jesus and the church, in fact, murdered Christians and locked them away, met Christ, came to see the resurrected Jesus and repent, become the greatest kind of church planter that's ever lived. And he wrote these letters to his churches that he had planted. And Corinth is one of those churches in what modern day it would be the southern in Greece in the area of just kind of the small isthmus near the bottom. And what we find is in Corinth, it was a brand new kind of city. Things were booming. Lots of people were finding their way up in life through the, uh, though they were ex-slaves or maybe they were ex-military men. And as they were rising through the Corinth uh, world, they were meeting all kinds of interesting things. Corinth is an is a interesting spiritual place if you were to examine a map of corinth right sitting in the center of the city of ancient corinth was a temple called the temple of apollo and the temple of apollo um, was just just well funded in fact the emperor set up his own cult there so he had to go and worship the emperor who claimed he was a god you had to go in there to get knowledge about the future and for your farming because that's what apollo was all about and then outside his son asclepius Apollo's son had an actual kind of gigantic location where you would go if you were sick. And it wasn't a hospital as much it was like a miracle-seeking center. You were searching for God, the god Asclepius, to heal you and bring you back to health. And, of course, there was um, all these other different gods and goddesses surrounding the area. It was a fully spiritual place. So much so, the Corinth, the Corinthians in Corinth, these people had to deal with their new faith in a very wise manner. Paul spends a lot of time about the confusion because in Corinth, sexual practices were diverse, um, more diverse than you could ever imagine, and they were used for religious purposes. And so Paul spends a long time talking to the Corinthians about, hey guys, you don't need to do these kinds of things. You're doing it even worse than the pagans do. Don't use your, your freedom in Christ as a license for sin. And he also goes on to say, don't go eating in these temples the food that they're providing for you. And all of this, his point is, don't connect yourself with the demonic world. Don't connect yourself with the spiritual beings that exist in this world that honestly have a power and are able to corrupt you. And, and Corinth was honestly struggling with these pieces because Corinth was a spiritually dynamic town, and the entire Roman world was very spiritually religious with lots of gods. Think. India like today and so what we have is a group of people who are being challenged by some thoughts and things they were going into church and they were seeing people doing ecstatic utterances well if you'd been in this in the temple of Apollo likely you saw people doing things like and yelling and screaming and somebody else going this is the prophecy that Apollo has for you and they would have seen this also similar in the church going like that's in the church and why is that here what is this about what's going on lots of confusion Some people being exalted because of one gift and being put down because of another. Questions about how they were supposed to live this out. You know, it's a lot like all of us coming into church. See, the church is not primarily filled with people raised as Christians. The church is primarily filled with people who've come out of a pagan world and into Christ. And when we have that kind of a world and you sit down and you see rock music, you wonder, is this the right kind of music to be worshiping God? I mean, this is like my past. How does this work? Or maybe you sit down and you're actually beginning to see something that, 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 that was connecting with you in the past. Like you hear the word meditation and you were way into transcendental meditation. You're way into emptying your mind. And suddenly you're like, is, is that the same thing? What is going on here? And, and it's not. And these things are different, and the way they're different, the way that Paul is going to explain that these spiritual gifts, though they may have counterparts in the spiritual world around them, and they look demonic in some cases, the way they are different is that the spiritual gift's purpose is to promote Jesus. The spiritual gift's purpose is to promote Jesus. When we have a spiritual gift, when you have been given something by God, its purpose and its point is to promote Jesus. And we need to remember that because everything we're going to talk about shouldn't promote the person, shouldn't promote the church, shouldn't promote the ministry, it should promote Jesus. So let's get into how Paul brings this out. He shifts gears in his correspondence, in his letter, answering questions likely the Corinthians are asking. And he starts with this. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. And what's interesting about this text that he's getting into is he is saying, guys, there are these spiritual gifts. Now, the better way to translate this is there are things of the Spirit or things of the spirits. There are spiritual things that we're looking at here. All these things you're confused about, you're seeing... Let's talk about these things concerning the spiritual things. He doesn't want us to be uninformed. It doesn't mean we get to go bury our heads in the sand and say, well, I don't need to know about the spiritual gifts. He says, no, it's important to be informed. And he starts with this conversation. He says, guys, back when you were pagans, back when you know, as the Bible teaches throughout the Old Testament, especially in Deuteronomy 32, that God rejected the nations and only took in Israel as his own, When he said, you're all gone, he rejected them to mute idols. He gave them over to false gods. Now, I believe he uses the word mute idols here because, like I said, in the temple of Apollo, a mute idol, where you would see the statue of Apollo, they couldn't speak. And so they had people do it for them. Typically, a young lady would sit, and especially in the uh, oracle at Delphi, would sit at this one place um, where the python spirit would infect her through the fumes of a hole in the ground, and she would begin to speak in ecstatic utterances, like, and all these priests would begin to define and explain what she was saying to the person who was looking for information. And so these mute idols had ways of speaking, and they had ways that the pagans were led away from God through them. So he says, listen, here's the thing. I don't want you to feel like these false things have anything to do with what's going on in the church. In fact, you know that in the past there are things like this, that you've been led astray, but now things are different. He goes on, therefore... I want you to understand something else. He says, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. See, Those who speak as Christians cannot reject Christ. When we stand up and we proclaim Christ, when we stand up and we are part of the Christian faith, there is no spirit within us that is going to shout out, Jesus is accursed. And you're saying, Greg, you just said the words. You can't say that unless you have the Holy Spirit. No, no. It's more than statement. It's belief. This is about categories. This is about the spirit spiritual gifts. He says, let's, let's think about these for a minute. Yes, there are gifts in the world and there are gifts here. And any kind of spiritual gift, any kind of speaking, anything God gives to you is going to be for Christ. The purpose of the spiritual gift is going to promote Jesus as Lord. It's as simple as that. If you're seeing a spiritual gift in the church, if you're watching television and you're seeing some guy healing people, and it's all about his ministry, all about his name, and all about his money, and he's telling you, "Give don't, don't support that. That's not about promoting Jesus Christ. That's not about promoting the gospel of Jesus as Lord. That's promoting this guy as healer, or this guy as amazing and awesome, whatever. If you see a pastor a teacher who is promoting his ministry promoting his preaching promoting his spiritual gift of teaching so that it's beyond christ as lord and more about him as amazing and hey come hear him man we should be careful celebrity reality in our culture often points away from christ as lord and you can use your spiritual gift in the wrong direction there are people with great gifts of prayer great great gifts of teaching great gifts of of healing and these things and they can be misused for the sake of the pagan world now this also means as we'll get into next week that this is diff- spiritual gifts are different than your skill base And we'll get into that differently, but no matter whether it's a skill God has blessed or whether it's something He's given to you, as we'll get into this later, what we're going to see is that all promotes Jesus Christ. The second thing we need to see in this text and between the context of that last verse and this verse is this. Look again. He says, you were led away to the mute idols, and no one one speaking in the Spirit of God is ever going to say Jesus is accursed. So if they are saying this, then they're speaking in a different spirit. And that's the challenge. Church, let's regain the reality we live in a supernatural world. We don't live in a material-only world. We live in a world of spiritual and material reality not neither of these in the bible is rejected but we have to keep them in our mind constantly there are spiritual evils in this world there are demons there are there are the other gods powerful angelic beings who are trying to shift and change the way that we think there is a spiritual battle out there and it comes into the church and just as the Corinthians were challenged, hey guys, don't get out there and go eat in the t- idol temples and participate in the worship of demons, so we need to be careful about the practices we engage with. There are spiritual entities involved in things like transcendental meditation, in yoga, in certain spiritual practices like um, mantras. And you're saying, Greg, these these are just common business practices. No, they're common Hindu worship practices. It would almost be like your business is coming in saying, hey guys, we found out there's a particular snack that's really good for weight loss. We're all going to eat it now. It's called communion. Well, that's not what that's all about. We don't take communion as a weight loss. We take communion because it's a spiritual connection with Jesus Christ, and that's how the Hindus would view yoga, and that's how the Buddhists view Zen meditation. Yes, they want to promote these things because it promotes their religion. But the point is, we as Christians have to be careful in the spiritual world because we can bring that in with us. We can bring that into the church with us, and no spiritual gift, no gifting that you get that is going to tear Jesus down is from the Spirit of God the gifts that we gain from God will always build up Jesus as Lord because that's what the Spirit is all about. Take um, a little bit on a journey as we get to know the one who is the Spirit. Some, sometimes we can get a little too focused on on Jesus or the Father and we forget that the Spirit is with us and He's acting. And He says this, he, he, we, we hear this, Jesus tells us, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What we see here is that Jesus is the Spirit, is the helper. He's the other counselor. He's just like Jesus with us. And that's the Holy Spirit. And He's here to teach us. He's here to train us in the things of God. He's here to promote that Jesus is the Lord. And so we see that the way he did that primarily, and this is important with spiritual gifts, is he gave us the Word of God. He's going to bring to mind the things that he had taught, And the apostles had that brought to their minds, and they wrote it down, and we have it in the Bible. That's why Paul, in reflecting on the the Bible, would say all Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. In his letter to Timothy, he's telling him, look, the Old Testament and the Gospels, I believe he was looking at those as well, these are breathed out by God. This is God's word leading, leading us and leading them along. And so when we understand what we have today, the spiritual gifts are never going to contradict the word of God. Whether it is a tongue, whether it's a prophecy, whether it's uh, some word of wisdom or word of knowledge, these kinds of things that people really kind of like push away, it will, it will never go away from the word of God just like a teaching should never go away from the Word of God, just like we should never serve in a manner contrary to the Word of God, just like we can't administrate or lead away from the Word of God, it is all governed under the Word of God because the Spirit is here to promote and lead us into promoting the gospel, promoting Jesus. Notice how we continue. In fact, the Spirit of God is the one who convicts. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away, Jesus says. For if I don't go away, the Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. He convicts the world of their sin, convicts the world of righteousness, or convicts the world of judgment that they would repent and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of the Spirit's work through us in the church to bring about transformations, it's all purposed to promoting Jesus as Lord. So when you talk and I talk about the spiritual things, about the spiritual gifts, they're about promoting the Lord. And let's remember that as we look at all the different examples as we go forward from here, not to get upset because, guess what? That means we need to be careful. Paul's going to take us to another level as he challenges us into actually allowing this to move forward one of the things that'll happen in a lot of churches that get into the spiritual gifts that love to dive in deep to these things is actually get overly focused on the spirit they'll even say things like oh the spirit of god is the forgotten uh person of god and we need to and so we need to focus on it but they often will reference jesus and the father even less but they'll fixate on on the spirit But in some ways, it's true, right? You go to a Baptist church, man, we're all about Jesus. Jesus is in the flesh. Jesus is doing stuff. He's working. This is awesome. Or you go to like a Reformed church, and you're going to find they're all about the Father, man. He's the sovereign God over all things, and we need to know. And so what we find is that we all have our, our focuses, but when it comes to the spiritual gifts, Paul wants to remind us the spiritual gifts are from the Trinity, not just the Spirit. They come from the full Trinity, all of them. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Take a take a look how we continue on here in verse four. He says, "Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And what we see here is a division. In some ways, we we find the first one. There are varieties of gifts. There's a diversity." Of gifts, There's a diversity found in God. There's a diversity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a variety. There's a variety. There's a variety. But there's a unity, right? Because they come from the same God, the same Lord, the same Spirit. There's a unity and diversity that's found in the Trinity that He's imaging in the spiritual gifts. And so we want to remember the giver of the spiritual gifts is not just the Spirit. It is the giver, the Trinity. Check it out. Think about it this way. Here we are. We have these spiritual given gifts. We could have called them kind of like kingdom because the Lord is over a kingdom. We could have called them kingdom services. Could have just renamed them that. Or, or we could have gone into, hey, you know what they are? They're, they're works, activities. They're divine works to do. And in a real way, that helps us for a second to get into what Paul means. These are not just special Mutant powers, like suddenly we're, we become Christians and now we're the X-Men uh, of the spiritual world. Like, that's not what's going on here. We're, we're not like wielding these either, like somehow we've, we've suddenly found the magic book of God and we're like, and, you know, I use a Latin phrase and suddenly somebody's healed. No, no, these are God's gifts, the things he, he bestows on us as a grace, that they're also divine, they're also these kingdom services. There's something to do. And last of all, They're empowered by God. They're they're God's works through us. That means they're not always there, and they're not controlled necessarily by us. They come from God. They're God's, and He's the giver. He gives the Spirit to us, and the Spirit works in us. In fact, if you'll look down one verse, they use the word manifestation constantly, and that means that's how the Spirit reveals Himself, shows up in us. And so what we see is God is fully involved in the spiritual gifts, and He shows off that unity and diversity of the Trinity when He gives these gifts. And so this is important. First of all, the gifts are to promote Jesus as Lord, right? But they often divide us. I mean, they often break us apart, yet Paul wants to make it clear. This is about a unity, guys, One God, the same God, varieties of things. In fact, later, as we jump down into verse 12, if you'll go there with me, he gets into more detail about this unity. He says, For just as the body is one, speaking of Christ as a body, he says, Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. He's like, look, your body has a bunch of members, but it's one body. Christ has a bunch of members, and it's one body. And, and he's going to go on. He's like, look, there's a unity here in this powerful diversity, just like God is a unity. We don't want to divide over the different gifts that we may have. In fact, he, says, he goes on to say, if the foot, or verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. It's a unity together. If the foot should say to the, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. So you got this complaining foot going, I don't, I don't have a hand, I just don't belong on the body, it's so miserable, they get to pick up things and move stuff, what do I do? I get stepped on all day. Yeah, that's, that's poor foot, little victim. And so what we see here is that he's like, wait, no, 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 you're still part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I I don't belong to the body, um, that would not make it any less part of the body. And we get the point here. The, The point is simply that Paul's kind of making fun of us. He's saying, guys, how can we divide ourselves over our gifts? Paul says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as He chose. If we... If all were a single member, where would the body be? And this is crazy because you can't exclude yourself because of your your perceived gifts. Maybe you feel like, oh, I don't have one of those cool gifts. I don't have the gift of worship and be up there and everybody's like worshiping. Look what I. Maybe you're like, I just get to administrate stuff and put stuff together. You know, I'm ordering. You know, I'm not gifted with leader. What? No, you guys, you gotta understand. Your gift is powerful. It's needed in the church. It, it is something that is so necessary that god gave it to the church we can't push off our gifts wishing we had somebody else's god has gifts given to each of us and what i think is odd is this is exactly what the church has done today we've actually kind of segregated ourselves off where in many charismatic churches you have all these power gifts that are showing up. People are speaking in tongues and healing and faith and stuff. And you're like, well, that's weird. That's over there. And yet you go to the Baptist church and you got this massive pragmatic movement that's doing social good and I'm breaking through and helping people out and we're doing care portals and things like this. And, And then you go over to like the reformed churches and you go into there and they are like, Education is a key. We all have the teach. It's like they took all the spiritual gifts of teaching and education and shoved them in one spot and all the practical gifts of leadership, administration in another and all the power gifts over here. I believe that if the church would just realize what we did is segregate ourselves, like all the eyes went one way, all the hearts went one way, and all the others went another way, we would realize if we just all came together in the right way, man, the synergy of the Word of God, the synergy of the promotion of Jesus as Lord, the synergy of the kingdom of God expanding would occur. And you would see people praying, and you would see works being done and a gospel being proclaimed, and you would suddenly see the teaching deep, and people would be like, whoa, this is a church. And that's our hope here at Olive Branch that we would have the diversity of the gifts working where they belong, not segregated out in all kinds of different places. In fact, we shouldn't even reject people for their gifts. We we, we shouldn't be doing this kind of game. In fact, Paul will go on to tell us, As it is, there are many parts, but one, yet one, uh, one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Hmm. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be lovely if we were able to kick out those people that we don't like their gift? Oh, maybe we do. He says, I have no, nor again in the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. In other words, the parts that you should cover up, right, they actually are necessary. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. He goes on to say, and our unpresentable parts. Hmm. are treated with greater modesty, which are, which our more presumable parts do not require. Thank the Lord. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. There's the point. No division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. You're like, what in the world is he talking about? Look, my nose, they say, is prominent, right? You've got a prominent nose. Or, or maybe we could say my brow ridge is very prominent. But... Compared to my heart, which is not prominent, you don't see it, it's not the same. This is indispensable. This is just really obvious. And guess what, our cultures do that as well. Sometimes certain gifts get lifted up. In the Corinthian culture, the gift of tongues was being lifted up as a prominent, super important thing, and Paul's gonna put it at the bottom. Why, because, well, in all the temples of Apollos and other things, this was the that was the prominent position. You had that gift, you were the ultimate person. So look, everybody's getting to do this. No. No. In fact, what we see is that Paul says, No, 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 no. Don't don't weigh out the gifts in an unnecessary manner. Don't do that. Instead, and don't reject people who have gifts that you don't have. This is the verse that causes me to back up and say, you know what? I'm not gonna declare there are no gifts of tongues. I'm not gonna declare there are no gifts of prophecy. And I understand the arguments, and we'll get into those as we deal with each of the different gifts. But I know people who genuinely and sincerely have the gift of tongues, and because I don't, who am I to tell them, you don't have that, get out of here. It would be like them not having the gift of teaching be able to look at me and say, I don't have the gift of teaching, we don't need that, get out of here. No, we can't do that. We need to be a people who understand that some things that are hidden need to be put aside in the back. They don't need to be up front, but that doesn't mean they're greater. And his whole point is we need to have unity because God is a unified being. There's this diversity in God. The giver is diverse, and yet he's unified. He's a father, son, and Holy Spirit. And none of them are more important than the other, and yet they are all Equal and yet the Father, Son, Holy Spirit each act differently, work differently with us on purpose, just like our spiritual gifts, just like us. We are a diverse body, we are a diverse set of members, sorry, and one body, and Christ is a member of God, and He is one God. We have this diversity and unity because we have a giver who is glorious. He wants us to have that unity. He wants us to have that diversity. and He wants us to work together. Can you imagine what the world would say when they walked into a church and what they saw was a people of diverse kinds working together in unity under Christ? It is the picture the world's longed for and looked for, and it can be found as we know our God, the giver. So I want to encourage you, Love Christ more. Love Him more. Learn more about the Trinity. Learn more about God and learn more about the gifts He's giving you. And you'll begin to discover that what God is doing is He is showing Himself off in His church. And you're saying, well, He may be showing Himself off in the church, but He ain't showing Himself off in me. I don't have any of these gifts. And that's not true. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. Every single one. And you need to see this, because we ended up here in verse seven. We kind of went forward a little bit, but now we're going to back back up to verse seven. Go there with me. He says, "To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good." Every single one of us, to each, has been given the manifestation of the spirit, the spirit of God working through you in some kind of gift, some kind of kingdom service, some kind of powerful, divine working to show off Jesus as Lord. Each of us has this gift. Each of us have been bestowed an opportunity to work in His church amongst His people to show His unity and diversity and show Him off. And that means we have an obligation. That means you and I need to engage in the knowledge of what we have. It's because if you have a spiritual gift, God gave it to you on purpose. He gave it to you with a reason. I love the picture in the, the movie and also mainly in the book of C.S. Lewis's Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It was always winter in Narnia, and so Father Christmas never came. And so suddenly, when winter broke, Father Christmas comes in, and, and it's funny because you're like, oh my gosh, why would C.S. Lewis put him in there? But what he does is he uses him as a picture of the Spirit of God bringing gifts. And in comes Father Christmas, who bestows on each of the children that are present a gift that is needed for them. He gives to each of them the gift that they need, not the gift that they would want, not the gift that the society says they should have. No, they get the gift they need, and that gift winds up helping them at some level in the future. And and you can get into that and look at it, but this is not a new idea. Lewis got this from Jesus. Jesus tells a parable about a, a man who's going away and bestows something called a talent, a bag of money it says this, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five bags of money, five talents, to another two, uh, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Mark that. Again, these aren't talents like, hey, check out my talent, I dribble a basketball backwards and forwards. No, no, not that kind of talent. We're talking about money here. But when he God gave those talents when this man gave those bags of money these men, he gave it according to his ability. This is a picture of God going away, of Christ going into heaven, but he bestows upon us his gifts, his property, his kingdom, his works, and what he has given it is he's given you the gift you need. He's given you the gift he knows you can use. He's given you what is according to your ability. Don't mock that. Don't knock that. Just use that. Because what God is doing is He's offering you this chance to multiply it in the kingdom, to see it come and be used in the hearts and the lives of other people. And so God knows what He's doing when He gives you that gift. Honor it. Trust Him in it. Don't resist it. Don't be like, Ah, God, He doesn't know what He's talking about. He gave me this gift and... Some people, you're afraid of the gift God may have given you because it may call you to something you don't want. You know what? Maybe it's time to trust that God had a purpose for you to put you here on earth, to make you who you are, to give you this chance, and maybe it's time for you to go, you know what? God knows more about this world, more about me than I do. I am going to trust Him, and I'm going to trust Him by doing what He said to do with this gift, and I'm going to use this gift. I'm going to step back into church, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to get engaged in ministry and I'm gonna find out what my gift is. So how do you do that? Well, one of the things we wanna encourage you to do is we wanna encourage you to start with, we have a spiritual gifts assessment that we've set up, and we would love for you to just take that spiritual gifts assessment. It's not going to be accurate if you haven't done any ministry at first, but it's gonna show you kind of the things maybe God's starting to show you or push you towards. The most important way is for you to step into ministry out of obedience, just start somewhere. Start making coffee. Start being a host online. Start engaging in social media help. Do something somewhere and then meet a need. Start stepping into meeting a need. And as you do that, you're going to discover that these gifts are there. And as you take that assessment, maybe you take it again, you start to see, oh my goodness, I really do know what my spiritual gifts are. This makes sense to me. And now you're really ready to step into that giftedness. But it's a process and we want to encourage you. It starts by doing. It starts by living these out because God shows up in the church to do this. So we want to encourage you to begin to discover what those gifts are and to use it. Trust that God has given you what you need. He's given it to you according to your ability. And remember that these gifts aren't about you. These gifts aren't even about Olive Branch. These gifts aren't even about Pastor Greg or anybody else. No. The purpose of our gifts is to promote Jesus as Lord in a unity through us. He wants to reveal Himself through His church. And our purpose for us is to promote Jesus. It is the intention of why we love, live, and share Christ. We love Him, we know Him, And as we get to know the giver, we see what he's given us. He's given us these gifts. We live them out, and it leads to the sharing of Jesus. That's why we do what we do. We want God to be known, and we love doing it here. So enjoy as we start learning more about our spiritual gifts, what they are and how they affect the church. Continue to join us over these next few weeks. In fact, next week, we're going to ask a really tough question. While we dealt with who's really the one giving the gifts this week, next week I'm going to ask this question, Hey, aren't my skills gifts? And, or shouldn't I be a teacher if I've got a gift of teaching? I mean, I should be the pastor, right? We're going to talk about gifts. We're going to talk about your skills. We're going to talk about offices. What's the difference? Is there? And I think it's going to help us begin to untangle some of the mess we have in our minds when it comes to spiritual gifts. Otherwise, let me pray for you. Let me bless you with the opportunity to just ask God to reveal those gifts to you. Let's bow our heads. Father, we ask that you would indeed Just show us what our gifts are. Reveal them to us because we want to promote Jesus as Lord. We want to use these gifts effectively for the sake of your kingdom. And God, show us how and where we will indeed work in your kingdom for the sake of your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. If you are new with us, we would love to hear from you. Let us know by sending a text message new to the number below. We would love to connect with you or just let one of the online um, hosts know that you're new right now. You can do that there as you're watching this live. But coming up this week, we've got all kinds of cool stuff happening. We've got a live class that you can be again to sign up for and that'll help you go through the spiritual gifts. You can take a spiritual gifts assessment online. Go ahead and take a look at that as well. And just heads up, families, we've got that winter camp coming for students. Take a peek at that. Make sure that you're able to jump in and sign up. We just are excited that you guys are with us. God bless you. We pray that you are having an awesome week. And let's begin to use those gifts for the sake of his kingdom. God bless you guys.